Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sexy in the Suburbs, the podcast about love, dating, relationships, lifestyle, and all the juicy happenings going on in our neighborhoods. I'm your host, Laura Lombardo. I'm a divorced mom, life coach, former dancer for the NBA's Golden State Warriors, and now an aspiring author. Hey there, sexy listeners. Today's featured guest is a married mom of two daughters who's a health coach and an expert on clean living. This is such a hot topic right now. You won't want to miss her advice. Stay tuned and let's dive on into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Sexy in the Suburbs. I'm your host, Laura Lombardo, and today I'm so excited to announce my friend, Crystal Ellison. She is visiting from lovely San Diego. I'm Jelly, and Crystal is a chronic illness healing coach who specializes in helping people figure out how to heal themselves by removing all the toxic burdens. I feel that's a very interesting and relevant topic, so I want to give a big sexy welcome to Crystal Ellison. Yay. Hi. Hi. Sexy time. <laughs> so glad you're here. I'm so excited. Yeah, me too. I'm trying to center myself. I'm going to be real and let everyone know. So she is my first guest and very grateful she's here today. Yeah, I'm grateful to be here. Took some time out from sunny San Diego to come and see me and of course some other friends here. I'm not the only special person. Yes, to come in the 110 degree heat. Perfect timing. Right. (laughs) So I wanted to start with your Instagram is something I follow and it's a great feed. It's so informative and I love all the messages you're putting out there. But I first wanted to ask you if you could tell us a little bit about you and how you got into this type of work. Yeah, sure. So like you mentioned, I'm a chronic illness coach. And like a lot of people who get into this field of healing, they usually have a deep personal experience with it. So I had I developed chronic illness after having my first child. And it was deeply debilitating. I couldn't get up. I could barely go to the grocery store. I was exhausted all the time. I was seeing conventional doctors right and left running all the scary tests, um, you know, uh, blood tests and everything you can think of and awaiting on those results week after week. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And every single time they would say, oh, this is a little off, but you're fine. And then finally, I said, you know what? There has to be another way. So I went the functional medicine route and I found out that I had a lot of different things in my body that needed to be addressed. And conventional medical labs, they don't test these these, um, other things that really need to be tested, like your gut dysbiosis and more intense blood work. And so basically went down that route to find out that I did have several imbalances in the body. and, um, And then that led me into coaching later on. Wow, that must have been kind of scary, first of all, first baby, and then you're dealing with all that. I mean, that's that's got to be stressful. Very stressful. Yeah. yeah. Addressing these complex immune issues, autoimmune issues, there's a lot of evidence that shows that putting a Band-Aid on something, right? So essentially, doctors, conventional doctors are trained medically to treat, diagnose, and treat. That's what they're trained to do. So they have very little nutrition background. They, I think in medical school, they get like three to six units, which is equivalent to about three months of time. And so the bulk of their education is really to how do we find out what's going on in this person's body, diagnose, and how do we treat it with medication? So how do we mask the symptoms? 
And for some people, the symptoms are so debilitating that you actually need some help, right? You can barely function. So those medications can come in handy for a period of time. But if you don't address the root cause of what's really going on in your body, then you're just masking the symptoms and you're literally signing up to take medication for the rest of your life. Yeah, and that doesn't sound like the best option. I mean, that's, that's yeah, that's pretty interesting. I wanted to know about this. So you got into this, it sounds like after your pregnancy and dealing with that, but I want to hear a little bit more maybe about your coaching and, and how you've taken that from what you've experienced. So now, you know, that was your daughter's, she's nine, right? Your eight. oldest? She's eight. eight. Yeah. So she's eight. So it's been about eight years since you got into this. Yeah, so yeah. Tell me kind of how that, how's that journey been? Like, where has it led you to? So, okay, so how it started was um, originally what I found out was I had non-autoimmune thyroid disease. And that's really common after pregnancy, actually. So it is specifically in women in general, thyroid disease is common. It's like one in four women have some form of thyroid dysregulation. Non-autoimmune, maybe, can you explain? Yeah. So there's different levels of thyroid dysfunction. There's hyperthyroidism and there's hypothyroidism. So that can turn into immune-related conditions like Hashimoto's, which is what I was testing as. I was testing as having Hashimoto's, but I didn't have elevated thyroid antibodies. So when you test your thyroid, a lot of times doctors will give you one test and it's called TSH. Yes, I've heard of that one. Yeah. That I've heard of. So TSH tests your your thyroid stimulating hormone. But there's many other things within the thyroid that need to be tested. So it's called a full thyroid panel, which is you need to test things like T3, T4, reverse T3, and your thyroid antibodies. So I was testing irregular in all those categories except for my antibodies. And so at the time, they kept saying, I think it's Hashimoto's, but they weren't diagnosing me. So this went on for years until I discovered that I had a severe candida infection in my gut. So usually what throws thyroid out of balance is a gut infection, exposure to environmental toxins, specifically things like mold and endocrine disruptors. Endocrine disruptors are things that um, are in personal care products that a lot of women are using daily. They say the average woman is using like, you know, three to 2,000 chemicals a day because in each Yikes. product, oh yeah, in each product in the United States, they don't have to disclose a lot of the stuff that they're putting in there, specifically things like fragrance. Fragrance can be um, anything from like reputable companies that are using things like essential oil to people who are actually combining 15 to 100 different chemicals to create one fragrance in one item. Does that even include a bar of soap? Is, would does. that be in that category? It oh, does. Because yeah. I know you, I've been shopping with you a couple of times. I know you're really clean about your makeup and all your products. I know you've, you were the one who alerted me to the fragrance thing a couple of years ago. Can't say I'm totally sticking to it, <laughs> but I know it's something that I, it never crossed my mind before. 
So, I mean, you're talking like perfumes, lotions. I know you don't use anything with fragrance, right? Is that correct? Nothing. I use nothing with fragrance. And actually, perfume is the biggest offender. We should not ever be using perfume. If there's something I can tell every woman out there is stop using perfume. Perfume is loaded with endocrine disruptors, which is really important for many stages in life. So endocrine disruptors mess with your hormones, which we know that women's hormones are so important for life, for energy, for fertility, for postpartum. This goes into menopause, perimenopause. All of your hormones are super important in just the way that you function in life. And anything that's disrupting those hormones is going to really mess with your energy levels and this your overall brain function. Okay, that's scary. So what okay, so I know I put perfume on every morning because I like to smell nice. So what what's an alternative to that? If you want to smell pretty, you know, it's just something like part of my routine or I'm sure a lot of women very common. So what would be something you would recommend instead of perfume? Yeah. So I okay, so there's a couple things. First, I love using essential oils, which I know can be a little hippy dippy for people, right? <laughs> like if you're not into essential oils or you associate that with like, you know, something that you use for cleaning or put in a diffuser or whatever. So there are different blends and there's such great resources on Instagram, people who devote their whole life to essential oils where you can make like really good blends and it has a dual effect because not only does it smell good, but it also calms you, relaxes the nervous system and it can actually get into the bloodstream and and do a lot of things to really make you feel good, right? So we know that lemon is an antibacterial, antimicrobial agent that's used for cleaning, but it's also something that helps to um, upregulate your happy genes, right? And I love the smell of lemon. Yeah, lemon, lavender. I mean, obviously you may not lavender. Lavender, that's really calming. They've even, they use lavender for people coming in for cardiac events in the hospital. So just to calm them down, basically relax. That's interesting because I do have a few essential oils I've used for um, just relax. There's a couple, but it's immediate when I open it and breathe it, I just instantly breathe deeper. And when I just smell it, it's crazy. I notice that. Like I'll just relax, like a whole deep breath comes out just from smelling this one I have. I think it's I forget the name, but but friend gave it to me a while ago. But if I'm really stressed out, I'll just open it and like take a couple whips and then put a little dot behind my ears. And it does it does have an effect. It does. And there are some deodorant companies. I'm really a bit really big into natural deodorant. It's very important because actually your armpits are one of your biggest detox agents. So if you're putting things like aluminum in, you know, let's not name brands, but we'll just say stuff you pick up at Target, right? There there's some good brands at Target, but there are a lot of conventional brands that use aluminum or fragrance. And so you're putting that deodorant in this area that is meant to detox. And so there's some really good um, natural deodorant companies. But is Native one, I've tried, that's one I've heard about a lot yeah. about Native. And I tried it briefly, but that's the only one I know about that's kind of a natural, I think, because it's so promoted. Or maybe I heard about it on Instagram. But Yeah, Native. I think those are more readily available ones that you can buy at the store, like a natural food store. So Native, Tom's. Oh, Tom's. Those are good. Okay. But I will say my favorite company, and I'm not affiliated with them, but I 
they have really good scents. So I use it as like a secondary deodor- as a secondary like perfume, which is called Primally Pure. Primally? Primally Pure. Uh-huh. And they are in Southern California and where I live. And they're, they use the cleanest ingredients. So, so clean. And they have really amazing smelling deodorants that last a long time. So you get that so they, it works. It because, works. Yeah. Yeah. I was always wondering. I just, you know, I'm so used to the, I won't say the brands either, but just so used to the normal, the whatever we grew up with, the deodorants that, you know, then you get the white chalky and they finally <laughs> came out with the non-chalky, which is better. But yeah. And I know when I've gotten mammograms, they tell you, do not put any deodorant on because it can, it messes with the results. But that was something I know the technician last time was saying, it's probably better not to wear it. Wow, that's interesting. I just learned about that a couple of years ago, you know, when you start having mammograms, but they do say no deodorant. You can't put anything on before you get one. Wow. I figured it was just something with the film, but I'm sure it has, you know, she was saying also it probably is better not to wear it. I could see that. And I'm assuming it's something to do with aluminum. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we're going to circle it back to histamines. What are histamines and how do they affect us? Yes. Okay. So my practice, I specialize in something called mast cell activation and histamine intolerance. And I switch gears into that after circling through multiple diagnosis of what was really ailing me, right? Um, Getting all the tests and then kind of switching over to a functional medicine approach where we could do more in-depth testing at like a micronutrient level. And it turned out that I was dealing with something called mast cell activation. And that used to be a really rare condition. And now it's becoming more, it's increasingly becoming more common, unfortunately, due to COVID. But we'll get into that later, which histamine is not a bad guy. So, you know, I think there's a lot of buzz coming up lately about histamine intolerance, mast cell activation. Um, low histamine diets, which you know is something that I personally follow. But histamine, we need histamine in our body to help regulate our immune system, break down proteins. So it's not a bad guy. What what happens is histamine, when it gets overloaded in the system, causes a lot of symptoms in the body. So I'm sure people are really familiar with histamine in relation to allergies. Yeah, right. that's yeah. where I've heard of it is. And yeah, something about even when you drink wine, it has something in it. And then I notice sometimes I will not, there's certain types I'll get stuffy. Yeah, if yeah. I have one. Yep. I have a glass and then I can't, my nose is plugged up. I'm like, okay, I can't breathe after having a glass of wine. It's really strange. It is. And actually wine is one of the highest histamine foods there is. So anything fermented is going to be higher histamine like kombucha and kimchi and wine and then anything cured. So bacons and salamis and yes so those are at olives those are kind of top offenders right the, the stuff, speaking stuff. my language olives olives and salami the things we really love i mean i loved a lot of those things and i and i'm able to enjoy them now that i have been able to heal and kind of transform things in my body but I went in. So anyways, back to histamine is really common in allergies. So anybody who has like seasonal allergies or hay fever, and they take something like a Claritin or a Zyrtec, that is actually an increase in histamine in the body. So I like to explain it to people like, if you think of your body as this bucket, like we're a huge, our body's a huge bucket. And 
you keep throwing things in the bucket that disrupt the immune system, like environmental toxins, stress, lack of sleep, lack of circadian rhythm, you know, all these different endocrine disruptors using plastics, like eating conventional meat that's not organic, eating out, eating seed oils. I mean, I can go on and on. But as you can see, there are some people that do all of those things daily. And there are some people that do those, do only a few of those things. So we, all of our buckets and the ability for it to fill up and then overflow is really individual. Some people can detox better than others. And some people have a really low threshold for detox, so they can't do it. And so there are genes involved in being able to process histamine. The bucket, that really brings it to a visual that's easy to understand. Like to me, that makes sense. Good, yeah. It's the way you're explaining it. It's like, I need pictures sometimes. It's great to just have an image, but that that is a really great way of explaining it. Yeah, because I can get real sciencey sometimes. And so I try to like bring it. Sciencey is sexy. <laughs> Let's be real. And Crystal's gorgeous. If you, you guys can't see her, but she is totally gorgeous. So thank you. Thank you. Sciencey. Let's do science is the new sexy. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so. Sometimes when people are taking these Claritins or Zyrtex, those are called H1 blockers. So we have different histamine receptors in our body. And the reason why things like Claritin and Zyrtec work is because they block the H1 blocker. They block the H1 receptor in our body. So it helps to lower the overall histamine load. So again, histamine is not an issue for people who don't have dysregulated histamine issues, right? So people, most people can eat these foods and their body is able to process them perfectly fine. And then there are people who have been exposed to so many toxins. And that includes mold, right? Which mold I know. Is, a, is the hugest one. Yeah. And so then it starts to become a problem in the body and it starts to overload the histamine receptors in your body and you can't process it. So that's when things like histamine intolerance pop up and then mast cell activation is closely tied. It's not the same thing, but it's closely tied because we also have mast cell receptors all over our body and histamine, when it overflows and gets really dysregulated, can cause the mast cells to become irritated. Okay, so this is a lot. And I wanted to touch on something you mentioned briefly is what is the connection? You were saying something about COVID. So People who have lingering COVID systems that COVID, COVID symptoms that don't seem to go away. But what's the connection between you mentioned something about COVID and histamine? Yeah, and I and you know I do have a lot of this information on my Instagram, um, which I'll share later. But I, I have things that you can look and see, like what are the symptoms of mast cell activation? What are the symptoms of histamine intolerance? And um, and even mold, because mold is closely and heavily tied to mast cell activation and histamine issues. So COVID, yes, what happens with COVID is it's a virus that your body is not used to. And there are different things that can activate genes in the body. So if you already, this is one case, this is one scenario. If you have genes in your bodies, things like COMT, um, HNMT, DAO, they, these all regulate histamine, the histamine pathway. And when you get COVID, 
If you are already exposed to things like mold, environmental toxins, tremendous amounts of stress, if you have a lot of fear in the body, right? Fear of COVID. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fear is definitely toxic in general. Your lack, you're malnourished, right? There's a lot of people that are missing crucial micronutrients, right? Like zinc and minerals and vitamin C. And um, so- People are going in to COVID deficient, deficient in vitamin D, which is huge, right? So they've done studies now that if you have, if your serum levels, your vitamin D levels are above 50, then you have a much better reaction to COVID than somebody who has like a, you know, reading of 19 or 20, right? The sun and the sun, you live someplace that's sunny most of the time. So yeah. I know I've heard that it's especially important, like people who are maybe in the Northwest or where they don't, they have a lot more rain, a lot more, less sunshine that you have to supplement. You're supposed to supplement with D. Yeah. Now, again, we aren't doctors. This is just, she's a health coach. We're just, this is what I've heard. I actually have, I've studied a little bit about the zinc and the D. So it is the sunshine. I mean, all that is important. Sunshine is really important, which we can dive into later, but um, yes, vitamin D, you know, again, this isn't medical advice, but these are things that work for me and my clients. And um, getting your vitamin D level tested is very, very easy. It's something you can do through any traditional medical insurance um, at a lab. And it's also something you can do yourself at home. There's at-home tests. So it's really recommended that you get your vitamin D level checked regularly, like at least two to three times a year, if you're trying to raise it, right? So Yeah. So COVID, what happens with COVID is it activates things in your body if you have been exposed to all these other toxins. And when your system becomes, your immune system becomes activated, then that causes the virus to kind of sit in your body and that can mess with your mast cells. And so what's happening with people is they're getting COVID and then you know, it's been two, three months, and they're still having this lingering fatigue. And they're having really weird symptoms like rashes all over their body, or just the the fatigue is debilitating, or there some people are getting heart palpitations, that's really common. And so mast cells are all over, we have mast cells all over the body in our sinuses, in our ears, in our, in our cardiovascular system, in our lungs. And so sometimes these people think that they've damaged their lungs with COVID, right? And they're going in and they're getting pulmonary exams and they're finding out that there's really nothing wrong. And that's because the testing for mast cell activation is so complex that no one in a medical emergency setting is going to test for that. So sometimes they have this lingering lung stuff where they feel like they can't breathe. And that's because their H2 histamine in their body, the H2 blocker and the H1 blocker, they need something to kind of help get rid of that histamine that's circulating in their system. And you work with these kind of clients. I, do, I mean, I you have, a, I know you have a lot of clients and you've been very busy, which is amazing. I'm happy for all your success. And I wanted to ask, you know, what you obviously have been through a lot of things and you have experienced a lot. So I was curious when you learned about all this, I've watched you and I've been to your house too, and you do use, you walk the walk. So you, is that the correct saying? You walk the walk. So you do use the products. You had all healthy foods. I mean, it was really eye opening for me to even see all just how, what you're doing is compared to what, you know, I thought I was living pretty healthy, but there's definitely, it's, you can always elevate and change your, 
change your routines, change your products, add a little bit of time. When you discovered all this and you, you know, got yourself back to being healthy, what are the main changes that you've made? Yeah. And and I did get better at one point during the eight years. And then I was I fell off again when I was exposed to some toxins. So, um, you know, there's so much that I do. But what I always tell people is you see all these people doing things like biohacking and living these really extreme lifestyles. And I would say that I'm probably one of them, right? Like in terms of like the general public and what people are using. But what I like to tell people is you just got to get back to basics. And our something called we have something called the circadian rhythm, which I'm sure people are familiar with, that our internal biological systems were designed to wake and sleep at a certain time. And our body kind of starts to produce melatonin at a certain time, which helps us get better sleep. And I think that system in itself is so dysregulated because of the blue light from our devices. We're staying up too late. We're stressed. And then at night, we're watching TV or our phone or something that like really jars your nervous system. And then we're sleeping in or we're waking up right before we have to get ready to go to work. And so it it turns this morning into this frantic situation. So it's really best, actually, we were designed to kind of go to bed a few hours after the sun sets. So in the summer, you know, and we're spo- we were designed to go to sleep at the same time and wake at the same time every single day. And I think that that's really hard for people to understand because they want to sleep in on the weekends, say they work during the week, but actually to achieve optimal energy and focus, you need that consistent circadian rhythm of going to sleep at the same time and waking up at the same time within 30 minutes every single day. Sleeping and like, I know I'm, it's so familiar because I have recently started a new full-time job and I'm having to get up earlier and it's hard for me to go to sleep at night. And I find myself, I do tend to fall asleep sometimes with the laptop on. That's how I relax watching friends. And I know it's not good for me, but it just helps. And then I find myself getting even six, seven hours. I wake up and I'm tired. I'm still tired. And it's, it's so hard for me to get on a routine. So I am typically a night owl and I know that's just been my habit, but I do feel better now that I've been into this a few months. Like I'm starting to go like 11 to six, 11, a more consistent schedule. And even though, you know, Saturday I woke up at six 30, just naturally today. But is that why? So if we could sleep seven, eight hours and still wake up and feel tired, if it's, you know, like maybe 1am to nine or some weird hours that I'm sleeping. And the reason, the reason why that happens is because of sleep cycles. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of people know that we have different sleep cycles. We have deep sleep, we have REM sleep, we have light sleep. And so our bodies were designed to kind of go to sleep before 11 because that sets us up to get into our deep sleep. And then it kind of cycles through deep and then light and then REM. And all of those have a very specific purpose in recovery, recovery for the brain and turning over the cells in your body at night to heal and regenerate. So that can affect your skin, everything. And aging. Aging is a big one. Sensitive topic (laughs) for a lot of people. Yeah, that's really interesting. I know just for 
people listening, I mean, Crystal, it has been an inspiration to me. I totally take your advice. Like, I call her, I ask her questions, and she's always amazing. You're always great at answering my questions. Oh, thank you. And even the little changes I feel like I've made, I can tell, make a difference. So yeah, that stuff works. It does. Really cool. And speaking of that, she also has, you have on your website, lots of yummy recipes. I know part of your thing is low histamine recipes. And I love looking at your posts. So I want you guys, when we're done, she'll give you her Instagram. You can check it out. But I also know that you have two young girls, very darling girls. And I want to know, are they following in your footsteps? Or how is this affecting how you're raising them? Or are there things they're conscious of now with, you know, healthier living? Do they know anything about what you're doing? Yeah, that's a funny question. You know, we're really, really conscious of how we raise our kids. And, you know, sometimes my youngest daughter, we have her on um, no dairy and no gluten at the moment because um, she was having some flares to we were actually exposed to toxic mold, which is a whole nother story and a huge bummer, but something that I'm really familiar with. And so I've had to kind of do a detox protocol with her. And I hear her saying things when like she was just asked yesterday if she wanted a cookie from a friend. And she said, is it dairy and gluten free? <laughs> and she's four. So cute. That's great. She's already aware of it. So she's probably got a head start, you know, and a lot of people just living a healthier, healthier way of eating, healthier life. Yeah. I mean, you know, either healthier or traumatized. I don't know, but <laughs> I think well, she doesn't look traumatized when I've seen her. She's so cute. They're she both darling. Really but yeah, I think, um, you know, we're very conscious about how we raise our kids and we we don't ever have anything processed in the house. Um, I don't like to demonize food. So I make a huge point with the kids to if we're out and someone's having like a few M&Ms or a cupcake at a birthday party, I don't discourage them to eat it. I do let them know like, this it has dyes and it has you know processed sugar so i educate them so they know what they're dealing with and then at home i i have them help me with cooking um we grow food we grow herbs and they help me bake and so i get them involved with the food process and they both go to a school that is very nature based we belong to a very alternative type of schooling that they actually learn how to raise chickens and they grow a garden at their school. It's part of the curriculum. So they're familiar with the earth and nature, which I think helps a lot. That's amazing. No, and I know you're, I could tell it's funny when I came and visited you recently, I brought some suckers from Disneyland, the Disneyland lollipops. And it was so cute because Crystal, the girls were excited. And of course, you let them, you're like, hey, you can have a little bit. And so it was cute because I know, like you said, you're not totally depriving them. They do get to enjoy food. And of course, I couldn't even eat that whole thing. And it'd be, I'd be like way amped up. So <laughs> that was funny. But yeah. And yeah, I know they loved you. They loved you too. Oh, they're so cute. So I do want to say with on Crystal's Instagram, if you guys follow, she has lots of amazing recipes. I love her soups. I've made a few. It's always something fun to watch. So we're going to talk a little bit about where you can find her at the end. But before that, I want to spill the tea on, I know a fun fact about Crystal. She was on a reality show. She did a little stint on reality television several years back and met Bobby Flay. So I want her to tell us a little bit. Do you want to spill the tea on that experience? Yeah, sure. So the interest, interesting enough, I actually started schooling and got my degree in theater and dramatic arts in LA. And so I was an actress for a really long time. I did a lot of modeling. And then as most models and actresses do, you kind of make extra money 
bartending or working at restaurants. And I just happened to fall into this restaurant group in Manhattan Beach, California, where the owner of the group just became really attached. He was amazing. He became a mentor to me and he helped like kind of promote me within this huge organization um, to help with all kinds of things and running his business. And so I got to learn all about the culinary side and I ended up becoming really interested in culinary arts and I actually went to culinary school. So after I still did a lot of acting and modeling and then I went to culinary school and I just fell in love with making food. And so I was a my I had a very good friend, Greg Westcott, and he we both decided that we were going to try out for this show, which was produced by um, it's called America's Next Great Restaurant, but it was produced by the same people who make Top Chef. Nice. And so Bobby Flay was on there and Curtis Stone. Oh, and Curtis Stone. Yes, he's very <laughs> yummy and cute. But nothing wrong with Curtis Stone. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, he is so handsome. I bet you know what? So is Bobby Flay in his life. Seems like personality plus just from the shows. He's fun and very like East Coast. But it was a great experience. We um we actually beat out thousands and thousands of people and then we made it to the top 30 and then we made it to the top 10 and then we came in fourth place. And uh it, we just cooked at all these huge events and we um we had to, we had to make restaurant designs and we worked really closely with Bobby Flay. He w- he kind of took us under his wing cuz our concept was like healthy barbecue healthy grilling. So he took a huge interest in us and it it was a good experience. That sounds like so much fun. Is there somewhere we could still even watch this and dig it up? I want I still haven't been able to see it. I found your pictures. I found a little bit of stuff on the internet, but I would think it'd be so fun to just be able to watch that now that I know you really well. Yeah, you know, I do have a recording somewhere. I don't know where I put it, but I'm sure I I do know that there are some things on like YouTube. I'm going to do some digging. I'm going to do some more digging. But yeah, we we did stay in the same house and it was so fun. And we I made lifelong friends there. How cool. That's a really unique experience. So I love that. I love there's so much more we could talk about. I wish we had a lot more time. And I did want to ask before we wrap up, first of all, if there was only one thing back to the health and histamines, and if there's only one thing people could do, they want to make a healthy start or women, whether it's women, men, everyone, what would be the one thing you recommend someone could do to start on this journey of just making your life, you know, one step healthier today? Sure. You know, that's such a hard question because there's so many things that make a big impact. But I would like to just say that having a morning routine is probably the most important thing to set you up for success in the area of health, but also just in overall mindset. And so following a circadian rhythm pattern of waking up at the same time and going to bed at the same time, but also making a huge conscious effort to shut off those blue lights and calm yourself at night and then wake up in the morning and have that routine of it doesn't need to be an hour but you know Tony Robbins you know the famous self-development speaker says that he calls it the hour of power and every single morning he breaks his day into 20 minute exercise 20 minute reading and 
you know, 20 minute of meditation. And so it doesn't have to be an hour, but just waking up with intention and having a goal for the day of like, what do I need to accomplish instead of just like bulldozing your way through the day? Grabbing your coffee, stressing out, rushing to work. Yeah. And feeling exhausted and feeling stressed. Like we never want to wake up and grab our phone and start to overstimulate our brain because that's what happens. Every time you wake up and you immediately look at your phone, you don't have any plan or any sort of centering. That's how your day goes for the rest of the day. So true. And intention. I love what you're saying because that is something that, look, it costs nothing. Anybody can do it. It's just a change in your habits. And you're right. It makes a huge difference. One thing I implemented, I guess the last couple of years is I always lay in bed for about 10 minutes and do some gratitude Just kind of name 10 things I'm grateful for. take some deep breaths. I don't look at my phone. I have to turn off my alarm, but that's when I touch my phone. But otherwise, when I get up, I make my coffee. I sit, just get some sunlight and just kind of chill for a few minutes. And I, I will take that time before I jump in the shower and before I start getting ready for work. And I do notice it calms me. It's made a huge difference in my overall mindset. And I kind of think of one thing, like one thing, right? Just set an intention for the day. Like today, I'm going to make this whatever. I'm going to do this today. Today is going to be about my son or today I'm going to have an awesome day at work. I mean, and that's simple, right? Everybody can do it. No investment and no financial investment in that. Yeah, it's basically free. And something real quick that you said is sunlight on the eyes first thing in the morning. So that's probably the most important thing is waking up and getting outside. It doesn't, you don't have to exercise. You don't have to walk. That's ideal, but you don't have to. You just want to wake up and get natural light, no sunglasses, no contacts, no glasses, and you want the light to hit your retina because that actually sends a signal to your brain saying, wake up and stop producing melatonin. And that is what sets you up for better sleep at night too. People don't know that better sleep starts in the day. Okay, that is awesome. That is such great information. And I am so glad you came by to do this interview today. It's been so fun. Thank you so much. And I just want to say before we go, hope everyone found that as exciting and helpful as I did. But I want you to tell people, you know, where they can find you or if they want information about your coaching, where can they go to find out more about you? Yeah. So the best place to connect right now is on my Instagram, which is just crystal.ellison with my name with a K, K K-R-Y-S-T-A-L period Ellison, E-L-L-I-S-O-N. And then I have a website, which is just crystalellison.com. I am switching it over to a new platform. So I'll have all the content back up shortly. But so for right now, uh, Instagram is the best way. And yeah, she has an amazing feed. It's super informative. It's positive. It's uplifting. It's not overdone. I like that you're real. I mean, it's really great. I love the content. And it's always I'm always learning something. And it's great. Oh, thanks. So thank you so much for being here. And everyone, Thanks for listening and tuning in. And until next time, keep it sexy. Thank you for listening to another episode of Sexy in the Suburbs. Be sure to leave a review on iTunes and follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Laura Lombardo Official. Have a fabulous day. And until next time, keep it sexy.